What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Demiso Josie from the Empowerment Perspective Group. This Empowerment Perspective podcast, we sit down with Pete Calisano to talk about fatherhood. This is part one of a part two series. So sit back and enjoy part one. It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay in power. Stay in power. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Josie, alongside the one and only Pete Calisano. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Always a pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks for making a trip again, and uh, how was your holiday? It was pretty good. Um, I know on your radio show you've talked about some of the nuances of Christmas and about your, how Santa is not real. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll let that sit there. Um, but that particular topic, um, as I'm watching my kids open their gifts, mm-hmm. I think about that, and I think I don't think about how many years we get to do this. Uh, I get I think about how many times we get to do that, uh-huh. and um, it almost makes me sad when I think of. I know you think the opposite. <laughs> You're on the opposite end of that. You try to hold I, on to it. I am, and I think of how how few times I have left to do that, because then you never do it again. Listen, I'm going to start know? a service, right? I'm just going to go around. If you don't want to tell them, you can hire me. I'll come and tell them that <laughs> you'll be the bad I'll guy. Be the bad guy. <laughs> You know, parents. You I bet you they pay big money yeah, for that. I think I would. I don't want to tell that it. one. I don't want to be the one that says, "Yeah, it's not. <laughs> no, it's me." I'll bring the box of tissues and all that. I'll hug them and everything, and then I'll eat. You pay me, and I'm out. Maybe that's why I grew the beard so that one day I could say, "Nope, right here." <laughs> that's interesting. So you had a good holiday. I did. Good. Yeah, it was good. good. It, was, it always is good. And having time off, you know, we're educators, and having that that week off is really, really. Um, you know, it, it kind of rejuvenates you. I had all these big plans, Pete. I, I was going to clean the basement. I was going to do all this stuff, and, and, and none of it happened. None. No, I was going to regrout the bathroom in in the shower. I did zero, and it still hasn't it's been still, done. Still, so still. massive failure. It's all good. We got to fail at something, so I guess. Sometimes you just need to shut down. Absolutely. You got to recharge the batteries right, so that right. you can think more clearly, think differently. Right, right. And uh, I think that's why we're here today. So and I think my kids had a pretty good holiday. They got pretty much the things that they wanted. It and in five minutes they went through everything and went back to the old stuff. I was just going to ask you are, do you, are they still paying attention to all the new stuff? If well, no, well, no, not yes and no. They're into YouTube, so sure. like, oh my that's god. What, I could have gotten them nothing and just gave them a YouTube channel. And they, at least my oldest would have been happy. With Absolutely, them. yeah. Um, that and slime. So uh, I'm, I'm fig- trying to figure out a way we can have a slime podcast one time. Well, there might be a job for you to find out and eliminate the person who invented slime because I know that this maybe more than even social media is driving parents crazy. Are you trying to turn me into a true villain? You're, 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 the, you're the Terminator. That, that might be the gig, just that's to become the, the Terminator. That's a pair you will hire me too to come in uh, and, and take care of that. I'll do that as Multiple well. Multiple services. <laughs> um, and then back in 2018, we, we talked about and kind of broadcast the fact that we're going to do this fatherhood podcast. So here we are, uh, me and Pete, both fathers. Um, I have two daughters, and you have a, a son and, and, a, and daughter, a daughter. Yeah, so eight and five. Two. So um, I'm going to put a little disclaimer out there. Um, there is no such thing, and I'm sure Pete's going to say it as the perfect parent. Uh, we don't have the necessarily the blueprint for every situation. Um, today's conversation is more about 
two fathers is talking about their experiences and, and giving some tips that help them. And then hopefully somebody um, will, will pick it up and um, be useful for them. Uh, it came out of the fact that there was a, one of my cousins, uh, he's getting ready to have a baby. And he said, I should write a book on fatherhood. And I just don't have time to write a whole book trying to finish his dissertation thing. So I said, let's just do this podcast thing. So uh, Pete been on before and, um, you know, there was some good information. We conflict on some things like Santa sure. Claus, but uh, <laughs> that's what makes this podcast uh, interesting. So well, it's, gonna, it's yeah. funny you mentioned that there's no perfect parent and you use that specific word because I do a seminar called the imperfect parent. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, and it's exactly what you're saying. There's no perfect parent. And frankly, I believe you wouldn't want to be perfect because we live in an imperfect world. Right. So I think um, that whole idea is there's no perfect parent. There's no perfect way to do it, mm. any specific thing. Right. And I'm sure we'll have differing, it's not necessarily differing, differing opinions, but differing perspectives. Right. And there are multiple ways to attack similar problems. Mm. So I think that's important to realize. We're not saying, I don't think we're going to talk about what to do. Mm. It might be more how you can look at things, right. a different perspective. perspective. And if you look at things from a different perspective, you may choose to do things right. differently. I find it interesting, though, because when I, my wife was pregnant um, with the Lamaz classes, like there was a million books about pregnancy yeah. and what you should do and what you shouldn't <laughs> do. But when you get down to fatherhood, I mean, there's books and stuff out there, but there's it's so abstract right now. And it's not like, you know, a lot of people want, you know, I need to do this. I right. Need to do that. I need to do that. There's no playbook, unfortunately, mm. um, because everybody's value system is different. Mm. So, you know, we'll talk about it today, but I've talked in the past on your radio show about honesty, how honesty is so important Mm -hmm. to me. Well, if that's a foundational value for Mm -hmm. you, then you're going to handle situations in a way where you want to get to honesty, Mm -hmm. whereas there are other values that you may, you know, prioritize, you will come at that situation from that angle. You know what I'm saying? Let's start there. Let's start. I know it's not on my list, but you brought up the value system because it's such an important piece. And for new fathers that are out there, your value system sort of going to shift. Of course. Because it was, you know, you were by it yourself. Should. It should. Yeah, it, it should. should shift. And I struggled with that in the beginning uh, of the process. But you, you probably value things like, uh, there's a lot of material things you probably value when you're on your own and you're young and, you know, and you don't have a family to worry about. Probably value your job that you're trying to get ahead in um, and, and those things. Talk about that shift for you in terms of your value system. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that you will at least lose some of or sacrifice some of is freedom. Mm. Uh, you can't just come and go as you please uh, necessarily. I mean, by law you can, but you know, you have responsibilities now, right. so you're not always as free to do whatever you want to do. You're not as free to spend on what you want to spend on. Mm. You know, you may want to go to the ball game. You can't go to the ball game <laughs> because you have other responsibilities right. to take care of. Um, and, and I readily admit that that's true. And if you don't have children, that is a severe deterrent to having kids, right? I get it. I totally get it. But I will also say that there are benefits that come with that sacrifice, as with most sacrifices. Mm -hmm. If you give up something, you're doing it usually for something better in the future. Mm -hmm. And I can say that that is also true, Mm -hmm. that while I certainly sacrifice freedom, finances, uh, time with my wife, things that we could be doing, going out to dinner or date nights and stuff like that. 
there are so many benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just watching my son this morning. He was playing with, I don't know, uh, some little you know, Marvel characters and some bo- giant monster character from a different thing. It wasn't a Marvel character. And he's just making up this little scenario. Right. And I'm sitting there and just staring at it right. with a smile on my face. I don't do that with much else in life. <laughs> just sit and stare with a smile on my face. It's almost kind of creepy if you think about it. If you saw this guy sitting in the mall uh-huh. staring at kids and smiling like, ooh, right. you'd be a little like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so the, there are things, you know, I went to, just last night, I went to a daddy-daughter dance with my daughter. She's, mm. you know, she'll be six in a couple weeks. I can't even, I'm not good enough with words to tell you what that was like for me. So you can't experience that without the daughter part of the daddy-daughter, okay? So while there certainly are sacrifices that come with being a parent, it's undeniable. Hmm. There are massive, massive benefits that people without kids can never, ever experience. Right, right, right. It's interesting that the, the transition is like, really think about it. I want to say my parents tried to instill me in me a value system that was more about how to sustain myself and how to be a man on my own. Sure. Which wasn't really preparing me for survival as opposed as a, to as a, successful. Right, yeah. Right. And and or even as a parent. So mm-hmm. you, as a Definitely. young person, you're learning all of these things for your your individual um, to sustain your own self and all those things. And all of a sudden, here you got you have this family now. Yeah. So your whole mentality, your whole value system has to do almost a complete one eighty. Yeah. Um, for me, it was tough. For me, me and my wife was always on the go. I, when I tell you like every. Thursday to Sunday, we were either flying somewhere or going out and, and partying. And when then she got pregnant, um, and it was on purpose, by the way, it was an accident. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I knew it was coming. And um, but I was still in that mode. I was like, I'm not pregnant, right? Right. <laughs> so, so I'm still absolutely, I'm yeah. Still in that mode, and it caused some friction a little bit in, in in our relationship. But it was hard for me to one get out of that mentality. But two, it was hard for me to get out of that mentality because I didn't have an example of sure what. A healthy father should be right. with a parent. Like there was yeah. no, I didn't read no book. There was no book out there for it, so it was kind of new. Um, so let's talk about your. How did you learn? Like your 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 father uh, influence over you and your how you parent your your kids. Yeah. So my father was an excellent example of being a father, and <clears throat> I can tell you that um, I come from it from a probably different. Way than most kids come from. I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Uh, after my mother had my sister, I, uh, she was basically unable to have children anymore. 14 years later, mm-hmm. my parents were able to finalize the adoption for me. So, <clears throat> you know, and uh, it was a big deal. Right. You know, number one, um, they hadn't had this opportunity for quite a long time. 14 years is a long time to wait. Um, and then also, you know, no disrespect to girls because my parents already had a girl. Right. They had a son, right. you know, someone to continue their legacy, their name, however you want to put that. So it was a special time for them. And so my dad was always, you know, I, I can't imagine being a better father. Mm. So, um, but he was not perfect. Right. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make clear about this was as a, you know, as a new father, it's a comparison game. Mm. And you want to say, what were the things that I look back on and say, he did really well, which in my case were many things. Right. Okay. And in your case, maybe it wasn't many, but I bet you could Mm. find some. Mm. And you would say, um, even if at the time you may not have thought they were great, Mm. you may look now and say, oh, you know, maybe this toughness that he instilled in me, or maybe it wasn't on purpose. It just, 
it's imp- it's necessary. Right. Maybe not the way he did it, but it's important. But then there's other things that you say, but my dad did this. Mm. Like for me, for example, he didn't make things tough enough for me. So when I came to these points that you're talking about, like as you get older and you get new responsibilities, my mentality was there's always my dad that'll right. take care of it if I mess up. Mm. And then you turn 35 <laughs> and you're taking care of dad yeah. and you don't know what to do. Uh-huh. I was at least <clears throat> introspective enough to look back at that time and say, damn, he, you know, he, he thought he was helping me mm. by being so kind and so helpful and always getting me out of bad situations. But it wasn't. Mm. You know, I sh- probably should have had to, you know, swim in the deep end, for lack of a better term, right. like, and, and find out for myself and feel some pain so that I say, hey, I don't want to go through this again right. instead of experiencing it. You know, frankly, for the first time when I'm like 30, 35 years old. Right. You know, right. so... You, you want to look at the things, you want to find some things that were good, and then recognize the things that weren't so good, do the opposite of those right. that weren't so good, and continue doing those mm. things. It, it, and you're constantly analyzing and evaluating and then adjusting. Mm. Okay? Because my kids are not the same as me and my sister, so it's not going to be the exact same situation. Right. But you want to do this kind of, take the good, get rid of the bad, bring in more good, as best you can. can. As best you can. Absolutely. Well, for me, it was like, um, because my father wasn't part of my life, and I didn't have those role models. So I had to flip everything that I seen, and I just knew I didn't want to be like that. Right. So I had to just try to flip every everything that I could like I'll, I'll never ever leave my kids because I know right. what that feels like sure um, you know I have and how valuable is that though mm-hmm. like that idea of flipping that mm-hmm. like taking the bad and saying that's never gonna happen right. like I, I look at that and I say of course that's never gonna happen mm-hmm. but I'm sure I don't I, it's not ingrained in my head probably right. I would assume as much as it is in yours mm-hmm. it's probably something you think about every day whereas I just kind of assume it so right. it's important you right, know th- right. these are these are valuable things yeah I mean I'm almost I'm almost borderline sick with it like even right, with the right. kids going to their like they play soccer and I I I won't miss a game if I can help it because I know what it feels like to look up at the stands and not see any, you know, my dad there or whatever. Um, so I'm not, I'm trying not to be, um, I'm trying to be opposite of what happened to me, yeah. uh, basically. And that was really the only book that I had to to go off of, uh, the book of life and it's trial and error. It's like STEM, really. <laughs> really think yeah, about it, yeah. redesigning it and all that other stuff. So you're going to fail at stuff. It's, like you Absolutely. said, you're not perfect and, and things of that nature. But taking what, like you said, the good and the bad and making it, you know, part of your, your, your process is huge. But see, the first part of that is you have to analyze it. Mm. You have to, I'll say, intentionally look at that mm. and say, this is what happened. Right. A list of ten things, you know. I mean, that's there's a million things. Yeah. So I'm saying these are the things that how it went, and and analyze each one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to actually take that step. Yeah, this absolutely. is important. It's a difficult step. If you just, it absolutely is. Yeah, it absolutely it's is. Difficult. Yeah. Uh, because it can be painful. It's very well. At least for my experience, it was very painful. I mean, I, my response was to put it in the book, life, music, and things. But it's also important for you to have those conversations with your your wife or your significant other. Um, going through that, she should 
see that process yeah. so that she can understand um, you know how you parent and your perception perception of why you do certain things uh, definitely need to have those conversations as well yeah um, so if, if I had to give a point right now I would say to the new fathers out there look at your value system try to figure out how you can redesign it um, so that it benefits your family the most as a, as a I'm going to jump ahead to point number two we're going to talk about masculinity yeah. um, and I believe one getting right the, into PC culture here we go <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, one of the major things as a man, your job is to provide and to protect. I mean, you know, those should be your your main strong points and also putting your family in the right position. Sort of like a leader, like, you know, right. lack of better terms, I'm an educational leader. I look at my staff who can do what and I try to put them in, in those positions. And, sure. um, for me, I, I struggle with a lot of people. I know people that have this mentality that I'm a man. Things should go exactly the way I should say it. You're part of the patriarchy. (laughs) There we go. Right. Right. So my my philosophy is more of I want you to do whatever it is that you want to do in life. Right. My job is to provide and and a way to make that happen and, 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 you know, help as much as I can. So there's times when people look at my family, they'll say that, you know, my wife is the alpha. She's the one. But in reality, we're both equal right. leaders in this thing. Right. I'm just, you know, I, I think I'm more forgiving and more whatever than she is. But um, at the end of the day, if I don't like something, it doesn't happen. And vice versa for her as well. Certainly. So um, what do you think about this concept of masculinity? <clears throat> masculinity? Right. So I'm with you on this where I have a traditional view of masculinity. I don't think of masculinity as toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, I just want to pull this up. I saw this the other day. That the APA, the Association of uh, the American Association of uh, Psychologists, mm-hmm. actually came out and said that men socialize in ways that are less likely to engage in healthy behaviors if they are marked by stoicism. Mm-hmm. Now, I study mm-hmm. stoic philosophy, so I take this like very personally. <laughs> right. Okay, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is on whole harmful. Right. I I just you're going against nature. And I I don't mean, so we say these things as if they all occur in a vacuum. Mm. As you say, the provider, then people hear sole provider. Or if you say, I'm the leader, people hear only leader, leader, sole leader. My wife is going back to work. She stayed home for a a number of years to raise our kids. She's going to be going back to work. She'll be a provider. But I am the main provider. Right. There is no doubt that my wife is a leader, a leader in our home. But there's also no doubt that I'm the main leader, Mm -hmm. whereas she maybe takes care of most of the things that come up, the Mm -hmm. issues that come up. But if it goes to another level, daddy steps in. Mm -hmm. I don't take that role because I want it. Mm -hmm. It's for us. It's natural. It works. So I'm going to bring up something that may turn people off. It may not. And I don't really care. We talk about diversity. Mm-hmm. True diversity would be you do things your way. I do things my way. If it doesn't, if what I do doesn't harm you, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't care. Couldn't care okay. Right. So you're a black man. I'm a white man. Mm-hmm. You, in the empowerment uh, perspective group, you have black women. You have white women. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we all agree on many things, and we'll disagree on some things. And that's totally fine, mm-hmm. and we get along just fine, and we work well together, right. and you do your thing, and I do my thing. Right. And that's fine. Right. If there are people out there that find traditional masculinity or uh, this 
the patriarchy or traditional family settings as problematic, mm. then you do that in your home. Mm. And I will never tell you uh, what to do. Yeah. In all these seminars that I do with Imperfect Parent, I never tell anybody what you should do. Mm. Never. I tell you how you may want to look at something mm. and then do your thing. I think for me, <clears throat> if it works for your family, yes, go with it. Guess what? Some women want a strong man right. in their home. Right. You can't sit there and say to me or to them, that's wrong. Right. You're wrong. Right. Because you want to make everyone think and feel the way you do. Right. That's utter nonsense. Right. Right. If you don't like that, if you think traditional masculinity is a problem, then I would say avoid that in your life. Right, right. But you don't get to tell everybody else what yeah. to do. And, and for those that really assessing your family needs is huge in order to figure out what role you should play within Of that, course. Right? You can't just come in because you were raised <laughs> that way that I run this and you're trying to force your family into that. Like you have to, if it's good for your family, like you said, there's some women out there that want, you know, that dominant role. If that's your family, you've made that assessment. Now you've, all right, I, I can see how that works. That doesn't work for my family. I can tell Correct, you that yeah. right now. And you know what? That's just fine. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. This idea is this nihilism that everything has to be one way or another. It, it's just uh, it doesn't help anybody. And all it does is create create resentment. And right. resentment is just so unhealthy mm. for anybody. And over what? Over the way someone else is living their life? Right. right. Now, I understand that some people will say, um, well, that masculinity spills over into the workplace. And, and it may and it may not. Um, but what you're trying to do is say a woman's a woman's way is natural and a man's way is unnatural. Mm. And I just think I think you're you're playing a, a very dangerous game. Mm. I'm not saying I have all the answers for that, and I'm mm. not saying hey, deal with it. That's right. life. We all, sh of course, we want to be fair with each other. If I wasn't fair with my wife, we I don't have a wife anymore. Right. Okay, so of course we want to be fair. Of course we want to treat each other equal. I don't think those two things. Are, um, are have to be separated. Mm. I can be a man and treat you fairly, fairly and equally, right. which I do on a daily basis at work with my family. Of course, right, right. So it's it's an, it's an interesting topic. I mean, I don't know. I, I just and then the other side of it is you get this argument that men there are no from some people. I'm not saying everyone. Some people that say there are no differences between men and women. Well, if that, if that were true, then your argument becomes null and void of toxic masculinity right. because then there's no difference. Right. You could do it too, right. but you don't. Yeah. And there are very, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, but there are very naturalistic reasons that, that they are the way they are in humans right. because they're very much that way in the entire animal kingdom. Right, so. right. absolutely. <clears throat> so I want to move to the next point. Um, and we've kind of been talking about this already, assessing your, your fatherhood skills. Um, kind of want to take this different because if if you're married <clears throat> your relationship with the marriage is is one tenant of it right and you being a father it's almost separate like you have to have multiple relationships and multiple ways of, of yeah. dealing with the family unit like my relationship with my wife was obviously going to be different than i have with my daughter my oldest daughter and the youngest daughter mm -hmm. but you have to sort of um departmentalize your 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 family and in the role that you play in each of these people's lives and yeah. i think one of the biggest things that we have to do is is make an assessment of what skills do i possess we talk about yeah. taking the good and the bad from your previous uh um, your upbringing but 
truly looking at yourself as as a as a man and as a as a father and saying, what are the things that I'm doing correctly? Where is the the friction happening with my family because of some of the decisions I made right. as 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 a father? <laughs> Talk about how you go through your own personal assessment as how do you know that you're doing a good job as a father? Yeah, so there's a there's a great book out there by Jocko Willink, who's a former Navy SEAL. I don't know if you're ever a former Navy SEAL, but he's retired, we'll say. A retired Navy SEAL, how about that? And uh, it's called Extreme Ownership. And the whole idea is everything is your responsibility, or at least look at everything, everything, as if it's your responsibility. And that sounds harsh because not everything is your fault. Not everything is your responsibility. Mm. But it's the perspective of looking at everything as as if it's your responsibility. Because then what you do next is the important part. You then start looking for ways to improve it, ways to make it better. Mm. Um, You're not then afraid to put it on yourself and say, I need to do this better and I need to continue this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we're talking about Mm -hmm. with this is um, it's your responsibility. So just, and you, I can't change my wife. I can't change my kids. I can't change what she does. I can talk to her about what she does, but, but she'll have to decide whether or not she changes. I can't make my kids do anything Mm -hmm. like about how they think about things or how they say I can talk to them about what they're doing mm. and hope that they make changes. Right. On the other hand, I have 100% control over me. So I can take responsibility for things that happen in our family, with the way we interact with each other, the things we do, the way we look at ourselves as a family and our jobs in this world, and say, I can do this better. Mm. I can talk better. I can, uh, instead of yelling, maybe explain I want to evaluate me most mm. because I have control over me most, right. Right. you know? So, and it's a, it's an ongoing, you know, regular practice that you really need to have. I would suggest this with all of life. Mm-hmm. You should do this in your job. Absolutely. You should do this with your health. Right. You constantly should be evaluating what you're doing, how you're looking at things. Is it working? Don't be so stubborn. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be so set in your ways. Um, Constantly evaluating. Right. You know, about eight years ago, I won a Teacher of the Year award at Eagle Academy. <clears throat> and before I won that award, I would have said I was doing a pretty good job. Mm. And then when you win an award like that, you you really do have to analyze yourself and say, am I? Did I deserve this? Right. I mean, it's a hell of a thing, you know, to <laughs> right. win an award like that. Yeah. Am I really doing a good job? And I didn't think I was reaching as many kids as I could. Mm. You know, I almost felt like I didn't deserve it because mm. I knew I wasn't reaching as many kids. And some people would just say, you know, I'm reaching 75% of the kids. That's good. That's really good. And be fine. And I think that's uh, very, I think that's detrimental to your career or whatever aspect you're talking about. You need to constantly evaluate how it's going. Can it be improved? And I did that with my job. Mm. And now, now I think I deserve the award. I don't think I deserved it then. But if you gave it to me now, I'd say, "Mm, (laughs) yeah, give it to to me right now. I'll take that certificate. so we constantly should be evaluating what we're doing, weighing what's working and what's not, mm-hmm. and try to change the things that aren't working real well. Right. So even if you take the, the <clears throat> concept of uh, you're supposed to be the provider and the protector, those are the areas you can start off with your assessment. You know, what, 
how am I providing for my family? Are you, and I, what are you providing? What are you providing? Right. It's so, not just money. Provider not, is not just mm, financial. Mm, mm, mm. And even protection is not physical. Like Correct. we're talking about emotional protection. A home, <laughs> sustaining a home is yeah, protection. Right. You're, you're safest in your home. You're, right. Or you feel safest in your home. So right. all that's part of protection. Certainly. So and, and you can evaluate it by how your kids and your wife is responding to you. Um, so you need to really look at all of the things that are going on in your family and, and making that honest assessment of your of your skills. Yeah. And ask them. Certainly. <laughs> like, ask them, like, what, how can I do this better? Yeah. And um, what could I be doing better? And even ask your children, because they're going to be the most honest yeah. out of all of them. They're br- brutally honest, for sure. Oh, there's no question about it. <laughs> for sure. You know, I got in an argument with my wife. It was a, a light one. It wasn't anything major. But... You know, for whatever it was, I don't even remember. I just remember her saying, "Well, you also do this," hmm. and because of Stoic philosophy, because of the constant practice that I do, instead of just firing back and being like, "Yeah, well, you also do this, you big," you know, right. I didn't do that. I said, "You know what? You might be right. right. I need to." I, I actually said it out loud. I could. I'm sitting in a recliner. She's in the kitchen, and I said, "You know what? I'm gonna think about that." And two things happened. Number one, I thought about it. Mm. And I actually made an adjustment with mm. what she was saying. Um, number two, the argument ended. Right. Because she knew immediately I, that she was heard. Mm. It wasn't just f- f- us firing our, firing our cannons right, at each other. Right. Okay, It was actually she was heard. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the best part of it. But I actually did think about it and make an adjustment. And right. I think it was actually a worthwhile... You know, if it was done in a non-argumentative way, it probably would have been better. Would have been more useful, or you know. But it was it was a it was a legitimate suggestion. I thought about it and did it, and I think things are better for it. Right. So you have to do that. You have to and be willing life. to listen to others on that. Absolutely. You know, life is all about perspective, right? I had a boss that once told me that um, I don't care how it gets done, long as it's done correctly and on time. Results so, is the name of the game. The name of the game. Period. So when it comes to making decisions and things like. There's more than one way to, to skin a cat, right? Just because it's not my perspective Absolutely. doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like right. It's okay to be like, okay, well, right. we're going to attack it from this way. Even though you might learn something from Certainly. doing it that I remember someone I work with saying, well, this is the way I do it, and it works. And I go, I'm not saying that that way doesn't work. I'm just saying there might be a better way. Right. Would you at least be willing to try that? Yeah. And it was when I was coaching. Since this way has always worked. And I'm mm. like, I'm not saying it doesn't. But this may be more effective, right. more efficient, whatever. Give it a try. Mm. That's all. And I think we could all benefit from that idea of like saying, right. well, maybe there is a better way. It doesn't mean your way is wrong. Right. It just means there might be something better. Gotcha. You gotcha. Know? It's going into child development. And... Um, I'm in this phase, like, you, if I look back at my kids and, you know, they go from, let's just even start from the pregnancy side of it. Then they come to the, the, the infant, you know, you bring them home. I remember bringing my oldest daughter home from the hospital. We put her on the couch and it was kind of like, well, what the heck do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do I do now? And then it goes to, you know, that pre-K stage and then now they're in school and then teenagers and then and adults. Um you have to learn to adapt. You have to change your value systems along the way. You have to change uh, things because your child is developing. You're going to have different needs. Um, you know, they go from needing everything from you to needing independence. You know, those those type of things. Um, how old are your, your kids? Uh, eight and my daughter will be six in a so couple yeah, weeks. We're yeah. around the same, the same way. Let's talk about that experience from, let's say, the day you brought them home from the hospital. How right. scared were you? Uh, it was Terrified. I remember the difference between my first child and my second child because the first child, you are entering 
a world of, you know, <laughs> a dreamland because yeah. I have no, you have, nobody has any experience mm. until you have experience mm. in this. And, uh, and the stakes are so high. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, if you never had a, a if you never had liverwurst before uh, and you're like, well, try it. You spit it out if you don't like it. And that's the end of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, um, this, this goes on for 20 years yeah. and you're locked in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the stakes are very high and you have zero experience other than, you know, what you think, you know, from your parents or from books or from mm. whatever, or what you just think is right. Um, and I think teachers are in a very unique position while, while we think that's better because you work with kids, you're not working with a one-year-old. No. So what you think might work <laughs> probably isn't because yeah. I don't care what grade you teach. It's older than a one-year-old. Right. So, uh, and, and, and the worst part about that is the first four or five years are probably the most important developmental mm. years because that's where they're learning even just who they are, how right. to act, what to do, right. how to speak, what, what their language is. So uh, <clears throat> I've always told people, and some people get offended by this, like, how would you train your dog? Mm. You don't, if you were to teach your dog to sit or stay or come, you don't do it once and expect them expect to it. know it. Right. You know, it might take, I don't know, dozens or hundreds of times. Right. And that's how it is with really little kids, right? You got to yeah. do something like a hundred times, times <laughs> maybe yeah. that might get it yeah. done. Right. And that's, it's like, Oh, if come it, on, man. This is just taking a step. Okay. Come right. on. I was about to say, if, if, if it really worked that way, you can just do it one time. It's done. The kid would be walking the first time you, you yeah. it up. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know that how many times they'd be in school by the time they're two, Yeah, you know, yeah. doing it's, complex math equations, which they're not. <laughs> so, it that takes a lot of persistence. Mm. It takes some understanding that everything is new to them. While we think some things are new to us, mm. they're really not because we can attach it somehow to something, something else we already right. know. Right. Whereas with kids that young, mm. you know, you, you could use a sentence with a word that they never heard before. And mm. they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, do you understand? And they're like, nah, I got no idea what you're talking about, man. And it, so... You know, understanding that they're learning most of this stuff for the first right. time. But there's a beauty in that. And that oh, it's, it's awesome. A, it's a blank slate. Yeah, know? it's awesome. And we have to be careful, though, as parents, because they are watching you, especially as they mm-hmm. get a little older. And your actions, they're going to model the mm-hmm. things that you do. And it's it's scary to the point where, like, you know, I, my kids know that I go to the gym early in the morning. And I caught my oldest daughter up one time early in the morning working out because that's just what right, I right, do. Right. I was like, you got to go to school. Why are you? up so early she's doing pull-ups and this is when she was like eight, which is great which is awesome but you just want to be careful you have to be careful you know? because you have i mean obviously we all have our shortcomings and inadequacies and our, our vices and things so but I even legit them. things like working out mm-hmm. like that's a good thing no one would ever say that's bad, bad right? right but you want to be careful you know they does she know what she's doing does she, you know right. so I'll, I'll give you another example of something that i do i i um do like a 48 hour fast Two or three times a month. Mm. So it really is a day, right. but it starts on, say, a Tuesday night and it ends on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. The whole Wednesday is the fast. Right. But if you consider sleeping, it ends up being about 48 hours. So, you know, the other day my son said something like, you know, because he wasn't finishing his dinner. Uh, and my wife was like, you got to eat. You got to finish eating. Come on. The food is there. And she says, it's OK. I'm a, I'm, I was thinking of doing a fast like daddy. He's eight. Mm. He didn't need a fast. Right. OK. And it's certainly not for, you know, because he doesn't want to eat his dinner. 
well, you know, that's a hell of a conversation to try to have with an eight-year-old of why you're fasting or what it what it does, what it is. You want to get into autophagy with an eight-year-old, like you know? So, yeah, it's it's so important, you know. Kids are learning from you all the, all time. the time. If they're awake, they're picking it up, man. Um, and and like you said, it can be a really scary thing. Because it's all on the table, mm-hmm. not just when you're trying to teach them things. It's right. all on the table. Uh, so that's scary. But if you think about it, it's a good thing because if you're conscious of it, it's probably causing you to act in a better way, at least most of the time, which is good for right. you also. Right. Okay. And I was going to say part of this, your self-assessment piece is looking at yeah. your children because it's you in there. They're, they're going to you know, be a reflection of what, oh what you God. do. And then you also think about... And like you said, it's going to make you a better you is what type of person do I want my daughter to be, for example? Yeah. I need to be able to model that and, and so of that course. she can understand that, all right, this is what, you know, I'm supposed to do or what the direction I'm supposed to be going to. Um, so I say this because a, a lot of fathers, we have to understand that we have to stop being so selfish because it's not about us. If you really want to do this thing right. correctly, at the end of the day, it's really not about... There's bits and pieces that we hold on to. Of course. I'll watch the game. I'll of do course. The, these things here. But it, the big picture is not about me at yeah. no more. It's, my life is not my life anymore. I have to provide, protect, and things for my kids and pave the, the way for them. But No doubt about it. I have if to, you want a good legacy. Right. If you want, as they turn 18, 19, 20... For them to be able to take care of themselves mm-hmm. and not have to exclusively lean on you, right? Um, then that's how that's you have to do it. You have to re- you reverse know? engineer it. Like, what do I want them to see? How do I want them to be? Or what I at least right. hope they would be? And, and they, <clears throat> I'm not talking not necessarily <coughs> in general, right? In general, of I don't, course. I don't, the doctor, all not that. Just like, a what kind of person, person do you right? Want you want them to be, to be. reverse yeah. engineer it and say, all right, here's what I'm hoping that they'll be. How can I get them there? Yeah, That's one of the things I say in my seminar is, um, and, and me and my wife, we talked about this before our kids were born, was we are always going to look at it from a perspective of, I'm not trying to raise a great four-year-old or five-year-old. I'm trying to raise a great man or woman. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do, so, so what that means is some things that they'll do when they're four or five are not necessarily best for a four or five-year-old. Mm. But in the 20-year process, it's good for a healthy, successful 20-year-old, man or woman, whatever those things may be. And that could be difficult sometimes Mm. because it may put your kids in awkward situations because you want them to act a certain way, whereas other four- and five-year-olds, oh, let them be kids. (laughs) Believe me. They got plenty of time (laughs) to be kids. Okay? We're not taking that away. But there are certain things, you know, like we've talked about in the past, our name. Mm. Your name is all you have. In the end, your name is all you have. And when you're a family, your name is not just you. Mm. You know, your daughter, when she does things, it's a reflection on you and your wife. When my son or my daughter does things, I say it all the time. Everyone, every time you do something... They, other people don't just look at you. Mm. Their heads immediately snap to your mom mm-hmm. or they snap to me. Like, right. oh, really? Right. This is what they do? Right. This is what you taught them? <laughs> this is what you allow? So, you know, you're always on call. You're always being watched. Be aware of it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be perfect. One of the main things I talk about when I say you're not going to be perfect, because then you say, oh, you're not going to be perfect. Well, what the hell do you do with that information, right? right? Like, what, So what do I do? You're always striving for perfection, but you're never going to get there. But 
and this is one of the things I teach in the seminar, all those imperfections, all those moments where you mess up, those are, you can look at them as, uh, as failures and be done with it, mm. which is a total waste of time. Right. Um, and then it is a failure. Right. Or you can look at them as opportunities mm. and say, I can use this now. Right. You know, um, something as, as simple as apologizing to your kid. Right. You know, your kids look at you as a god. Right. I, I, I use this example. Your kids really do look at you as like a god, especially when they're younger. They're looking at you as a god. Right. And if God apologizes for a mistake, mm. <laughs> you know, I tell this story about um, something happened in my house and I thought it was my son. Mm. And, you know, I gave him a real licking. You know, I really gave him the business. And I said, get in your room. You know, it ended with get in your room. Mm. And he just took it and went to his room. And he wasn't crying, nothing. And my wife goes, you know, it wasn't him. It was Milana. Wow. And I go, oh. So I go in there, and he's just sitting in there. He's brooding a little bit, but right. he's, he just took it. You know, right. He just accepted it. There's, and I go, you know what, Peter Richard? Mommy told me it was Milana. It wasn't you. I said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Right. Immediately, the tears started coming down his eyes. Mm. Because I'm not saying I'm a god. I'm right. just saying in his eyes... God admitted he was wrong, wrong right. and I was right, and he told me. Mm. And, like, I became a person to him. I just right. became a guy. Right. It was a super powerful moment because that connection was strengthened, that trust right. was strengthened even more. But you also opened the door for him to be able to be like, well, if he can apologize for yes. being wrong, I can do the How big is that, that right? That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so huge. So, Because um, no one wants to be wrong. No. I don't ever want to be wrong. <laughs> But if you are, again, that extreme ownership, taking responsibility, once you do that, you can now move on to a solution. You can now move on to a better way, an mm. improvement. And that's, mm. you know, that's really, in the end, the most important thing. Right, right. right. Now you're moving closer, closer to perfection. Right. Again, you're not going to get there, but you're moving closer to it. You know? mm, for sure. I want to move into, because we're both <laughs> educators, and this is obviously um, probably something that's somewhat easy for us to talk about uh, but it's a little different when you're an educator and you're talking about your own kids yeah uh, how to educate your children um me and my wife try to take on the perspective of and i always say it that i really don't need school to educate my kids at the end of the day i Absolutely. mean i could do the the things that the schools are, are doing they pretty much go to school for socialization um if we really wanted to take over you know teaching them and, and doing those things um there are certain things as parents could be doing to help their children become successful in school. Uh, a lot of parents don't have time to to do the things that you know we may be doing with our kids. But there are some simple, basic things as parents that you could do to help. Uh, one of the things that we do in our family is actually two things I'll talk about real quick is we try to have dinner at the dinner table every single night and have conversations. There's no cell phones. There's nothing. Um, there's studies out there saying that you know the children's vocabulary will increase just off a of basic conversation. Absolutely. Um, we'll get to communication later, but we don't talk to our kids like they're kids. We talk to them like they're people. And yep, we never people. did that to them. Yeah, you know, I think it's important. It is. And then our vocabulary is the same as if I'm talking to you and they'll pick up on certain things. Um, but that way, another thing that we do is, and my wife does it more <laughs> than I do, is but they, my kids either read something every day or my wife is, or I are reading to them every day. And it's, you don't, we're not talking about a whole bunch of time here. We're talking about 10, 15 minutes of, right. of, of reading. And it's to the point 
now, and me and my wife read a lot too. And my kids, I see them all the time just reading on their own. Like, it, it's, especially my youngest one, Jaden, will read like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just, all, again, they're watching what you know the parents are doing, but they're learning that, that, that behavior. Um, I'm going to throw a third one in there. <laughs> it's important for kids to have a routine and to be organized. Um, well, I see a lot of kids in, in our profession that are unorganized and there's no routine at home. Mm-hmm. They can go to bed whenever they want to and suffering when they get to school. Um, they're, you know, for my, me and my family, when we get home, either if your homework's not done, you're sitting down doing homework. But guess what I'm doing, too? Working. My work. <laughs> right. With them. Um, and then, you know, we have dinner or whatever. We have five, ten minutes you know, downtime if you want, get your snack or whatever, but then we come together as a family and then eat and and then they're in bed by eight thirty. Nine o'clock at the absolute latest. Right. But it's the routine that that is important. <clears throat> and it's to the point in the morning where I don't even come down and make their breakfast anymore because they just on autopilot. Right. My oldest daughter had to get me out of bed the other day, like, Daddy, what you doing? We're ready to go. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> so those are some very basic things <coughs> that you can do to help your child in school. Uh, what are some of the things that you do with your, your, your family? Yeah, I think I, I, I'm on board 100% what you just said about routine. I think this is super important. While we don't want them to be robots, of course, um, routine is important. I want to start this off by saying the, the reality is if your kids are going to school, and we did, we actually homeschooled our kids for the first year or two of formal schooling, we'll say. Um, but if your kids are going to school, you don't have a whole lot of control. Over, you don't have any control over what's actually going on over there, at least in the short term. You could meet with teachers yeah, and administrators, yeah. but for the most part... What's going to go on in school is going to go on in school. So if you want to affect it, it's going to be exactly what you said, which is how do you comport yourself at home and how, do you, how does your family go about its business? Right. Because then that will carry over. So that's why I think this idea of routines is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do things? You know. So you know, our kids are exactly the same way. You know, My son turned eight, so when he turned eight, he was, you know, we always put our kids to bed at seven, you know, about, like right. you said, somewhere in the neighborhood, <laughs> seven, seven, fifteen. Um, but... When he turned eight, it was like, okay, you know what? You're a little older now. You can stay till seven thirty, mm. and you know that always ends up turning to seven forty, whatever. Right, you know. right. But for the most part, he understands this is how we do things. I, I say it's culture, mm-hmm. like it's their culture, who we are, and how we do things. Mm-hmm. And you want that, you know, culture set right. so that they understand. That. And, and like we said before, like with training your dog, it's something that is constantly has to be repeated, constantly has to be talked about mm-hmm. and practiced. Yep. I mean, and that goes even for the adults, yeah. right? We have constantly have to practice this. The other thing I would uh, just add to um, what you said is that you want to come up with standards, you know, and, and it's not that different um, from routines, but it is a little different. Mm-hmm. It's more about these standards or how, how we act, how mm-hmm. we do things. Right. All right. Like, um, so, when when we do those things all the time at home, when mm. we act like that all the time at home, most of the time at home, mm. I do live by the 80-20 rule. I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule. Right. Okay? Um, those things do carry over. It's inevitable mm. because standards themselves are starting to create routine. It's right. a different type of routine. It's, it's more of a routine of behavior. But... They're important mm-hmm. so that you can, when you're off your standards, you know exactly what to point to right. and say, nope, that's not how we do things. We actually have, um, um, a f- I'm trying to think of the word that we call it. It's like a, um, our family credo, I guess. Gotcha. Akala Aca- Aca- Sano chooses <laughs> love and respect, this whole thing. Right. And our kids have it memorized. Right. And, you know, 
it's almost like the Pledge of Allegiance where you say it and you don't even know. You know at this it, point, right? you don't yeah. even know what the heck you're saying anymore. Right. You just say it. But when you think about it, like, I pledge allegiance. Right. Like, that's such a strong, strong word yeah. when you think about it, right? right? So every once in a while when our kids get off their standards, our, our standards that are mm-hmm. spelled out in this kind of family credo, we'll say, what does a Colisano choose? Love and respect. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And we'll pick out certain parts and they're like, Damn it. Like, you could see the look in her face like, all right, I know. And but that gets them back on track. You know? right. And I think stuff like that, routine, standards, how we do things. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I'll say about when it comes to educating your child, and um, again, this is more about like how you operate, how you operate as a family or as an individual. Kids especially, all people, but kids especially young kids under 10 years old, learn almost exclusively from experience. Mm. You know, if you wanted to teach a kid self-discipline, man, you are not teaching it. You know, here's what self-discipline is. Right, nah. You know, when you want something in the future more than that, you know, that's that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. It's just not going to work because right. it's a pretty heavy concept even for adults. Like mm-hmm. the idea of putting something off today mm-hmm. for something you want more a month right. from now, a year from now, five right. years from now. You know, if you have a, a 501k or, or any any investments, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You could have that money in your pocket. But you're sacrificing it now so that you have a nice nest egg when you right. retire and you're comfortable. So, well, that's the same thing. But that's a hard thing mm-hmm. for, for a four-year-old, a five-year-old, right. an eight-year-old to understand. Right. So we did this the other day. Um, my kids came home and they had a little snack, you know, like those cheese puffs or whatever the heck they were, something like that. And um, they wanted another, you know, I gave them a little bowl of cheese puffs. Mm-hmm. They ate them and they're like, can I have another... Know the bowl, and I'm like, okay, perfect opportunity. Here we go, self discipline. I said, I can give you some more today, mm-hmm. um, and you can enjoy them, and that'd be great. Um, and I said, I'll give you a little more today because you already had some. I'll give you a little more today, okay. but you can't have any for your snack after school tomorrow. You'll get no snack tomorrow, right? Or you've already you can recognize that you've already had some, and say, and and if you say no. I'll give you a nice big bowl tomorrow. So, and I said, just think about it for I can see my daughter right away. Mm. She's like, nope, I'll take it now. <laughs> right? You know, and that's what we all are initially yeah. do, right? But I said, just think about it. You're only going to get a little more today, but then none tomorrow. You know, I'm trying to really embellish how I say this. And my son just turns, he goes, so let me get this straight. He says, none tomorrow if I have it today. I said, none tomorrow. And they almost both like scratched their chins for a second. Right. We're looking. They, they really thought about it, and they, and they both said, "I'll wait till tomorrow." Mm. And I like kind of did a little fist pump because yeah. I was like, "All right, they got it. You know, they yeah. got it." They ha- you have to go through that mm. to understand. And, I, and then I explained that's a perfect example of self discipline. Mm. Like you, ju- you guys, that's self control. Great right. job. That's it's right. important. Putting off something you want today for something better mm. tomorrow, and it has to be better. Right. If right. it's equal or less, I'll just take it now. Right. Right? That investment grows over time when you put money in the bank or in your investment fund. So mm-hmm. they have to experience it. You have to if you want your kids to be responsible, you have to put them in a position to be responsible. Right. You know? That's absolutely so, true. Um, that's how you have to they, they learn from experience. Understand they learn from experience. My mm-hmm. son went into Wawa for the first he's eight years old. He went into I did this is an intentional act that mm-hmm. we did. I took him to Wawa and he went in to buy a gallon of milk 
by himself, grab the bo- grab the jug, go to the counter, give the money, take the change, come back outside mm-hmm. to the car. And I sat and watched the whole thing. You know, <laughs> Proud dad. There he goes. You know. Right. But it was an intentional act. Of, this is responsibility. He was very nervous at first. And afterwards, mm-hmm. he's like, God, ah, that was easy. Right. Right. Yeah. So talking specifically about how you can help your children um, in the educational um with their education and there's there's parts of it that you can do as parents and there's there's parts of it that you have to do as parents and one of the things that kill me um, I wasn't going to say this but one of the things that kills me is when parents will say I just simply don't have enough time like there's a lot of single parents out there and things of that nature um, and you know they're running around with all these different jobs but then they really break down what they're doing they're binge watching Netflix watching Bird Box and all those things and, <laughs> and you telling me that you don't have time to, to be there and help your, your kid and it's not necessarily going going over homework and you may not understand it, just making sure that they're actually attempting it and trying to get it done yeah. may be enough. Making sure that they're organized when they leave the house with their folders and their binders in there um, going to school. Obviously going there with the parent-teacher conferences and stuff and being an active part of, of it as well is, is good too. One of the other things I, I, I would suggest is stop comparing your children to other mm. children. Um, Compare you know, them to themselves, themselves. yesterday. Yes. Yes, it's perfect. That's a better, and, and this is something for everybody. You you know, if you're on a diet and you're trying to lose weight, don't compare yourself to Brad Pitt who has an eight pack. You're, you're going to want to quit real yeah, quick, okay? Yeah, yeah. Compare yourself to how you were yesterday or how you were last week. Right. You know, it's a much healthier way of looking at things. And the fathers, because we're talking about fatherhood, I see a lot of fathers not taking an active role in their children's education because they may feel like it's the, the wife's responsibility right. to do it but your children need to see you a part of that process as well um, it's sad to see you know fathers come in be what it seems like forced to come in and not understanding the procedures of signing your kid out of school like something right. really basic that you should be doing on a normal basis anyway um, I get some of you might have jobs that won't allow you to do that but you need to know what's going on um, with your kids and understanding and what, even the social events if it's a dance coming up knowing that what time it's over and being figure there on time yeah, figure it <laughs> out figure it out um, it's important to, to support that you know something you just said about not having time I understand that. I mean, I, I'm that's not my situation, mm-hmm. even especially as a teacher, because I get out earlier. But even because my wife is around, so we get to, you know, tag team this kind of stuff. But what you're saying is not that you need to be a helicopter parent, mm-hmm. like constantly hovering over yeah. your kids to make sure they're this or that. What it really comes down to are moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really what your kids will remember anyway. They're going to remember moments. They're not going to remember an entire day, right. hours of time you spend. Right. They're going to remember moments. And what you want to do is put yourself in a position where you're creating these moments. Mm. You know, you talk about reading with your kids for five or ten minutes. That if you can't find five or ten minutes, then I don't know. I don't know how you are a parent at all. Oh, right, right. You know, um, so that's why I don't know if I believe that. Mm. Or we use that as an excuse sometimes. I certainly do. Mm-hmm. I use it as an excuse sometimes because I want to do what I want to do. That's really what you're saying. Selfish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you. But but the other side is you don't have to look at it as I have to give up. What's the movie? Bird Box. Yeah, Bird Box. Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to give up Bird Box. Just put it off for five minutes. Listen, I watched the movie. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't yeah. watch it all in one sitting. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But, I see yeah. it in bits and pieces uh-huh. because of you know doing certain yeah. things, but. My, 
when I make sure as a father that things are taken care of yes. first, either I'm doing them first, doing that's it all. First. It's not only, and then it's just first, right. prioritizing Absolutely it. That's all. You'll right. still get to do those things, um, but just put a priority on yeah. that. You know? And in terms of education, again, too, I, I look at it as like baking a cake, right? <laughs> so you, you early on, you are got your hands in it, you're mixing all the stuff, the ingredients and stuff, and at some point as they, your children get older, you put the cake into the oven. Now it's all about just checking it. I gotta right. go back, gotta check it, and put the fork in there and see if it's, and then all of a sudden it's done. So you get to a point when your kids are little, like my kids right now, I don't really, I ask them, do you want me to check your homework? Right. I don't check it, I'm just checking in and making sure that they are still doing what they need to be doing. So that is um, also an important yeah. piece to it. Uh, talk to your children about what they find to be important. Kids lie to me all day long, and they say <laughs> my family is the most important, and they're good at or it. the school's most important <laughs> thing. But I tell them straight to their face. I said you're lying. I said that's you're you're you. It sounds nice, but your behaviors are not in right. line with what you are telling. Right. If family was important to you, you wouldn't be in my office getting in trouble because family's important. Right. Like you said, it's not just you that you know you're reflecting. Right. If if school was really important to you, you wouldn't have missed homework assignments and all right. that stuff. So as parents, one of the things you could do. Is figure out what's important to your kid and try to rewire them in trying to find out what should be important. You're talking about the standards. Yeah. You know, in our our family, the kids, their job and their responsibility is school. Right. It's important to them. My daughter cries when she forgets her homework assignment. That's how I know it's important to her. If she was like, ah, whatever, they get these homework passes and they don't use them. Right. <laughs> and I said, you know, the behaviors are in line to what they see um, as it being important. But as a, as a father, as a parent, you have to lay that groundwork for them as what they should be what should be important to them yep. um, at that particular point in time. All right, guys, that was part one of the fatherhood episode with Pete Calasano. Stay tuned for part number two coming soon.